God, thank you for this day. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you for supplying all of our needs according to your riches and glory. God, we know this day was promised for many, but not for everybody. Yet, God, you are still worthy of all the praise and all the glory, all the honor. God, I pray that right now that every listener that listens to the words that are coming forth are encouraged, they're empowered, they're enlightened. They may laugh, they may think to themselves, wow, that's me. They may get even a little emotional. Yet, God, I pray that regardless of what they feel, I pray that they feel you. I pray that they are just enveloped in your love and in your care and in your compassion. God, I pray that you will just allow them just to be overwhelmed with your love. On this day, in Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Reviving the Spirit, Rehabilitation for Battle-Worn Christians. This is Latanya Price, and I am your host. On today's episode, today's episode, we are going to be talking about finding hope in dark times. I know that um, we've had some dark times overall with the world <laughs> in the last couple of years, if you will. At the time of this recording, we have are coming out of um, a pandemic. We are coming out of a time where we, many people lost so many loved ones. Um, people have lost jobs. People have lost homes. People have just found themselves wondering and questioning life in general. And so for me, I think it's only befitting to remind us that even in the dark times, we can still find that hope. We can still find that hope. So we're going to explore like some stories um, be it biblical uh, figures and just personal testimony um, of just those that have faced adversity and and found hope, you know, just um, just to help inspire you all and just to understand that no matter what, you too can find hope in those dark times. So I want to just start off first and foremost and and this is probably going to be the most common thread throughout the entire <laughs> podcast um, of, of the point of this show is the Bible holds so much power. 
there's power in the Bible and the biblical stories that we read. This particular podcast, I literally got it based upon Psalm 19:7, which says the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And that's the New Living Translation. And no matter what the topic is going to be that I may discuss, I'm always, always am going to be yielding or swinging my sword, if you will, <laughs> um, according to my battle armor and the spiritual warfare that we're going through. I'm always going to ensure that we got a word or that we're using scripture because that's the key place that we're going to find the hope. We're going to find the key to the hope. We're going to find the door to the hope. We're going to find the window to the hope. We're going to find the path, the light, everything that we ever need in order for us to find hope is going to be found in the word of God. So we're going to highlight some of those struggles. First and foremost, that's what we're going to do. Because if you read the Bible, you will read about, I don't think there's two, I don't even think there's not narrow character <laughs> that didn't have to go through a point of darkness on their journey. I don't think there is. Um, even Jesus faced some anguish and some darkness even in the garden of Gethsemane before he had to endure the path of going to the cross. So I just want to, I'm going to pull two. I'm just going to pull two and I'm going to read those scriptures and then I'm going to kind of talk number one on how hope is tied in and, 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 and I, and I am not a, um, person that speaks Greek, Hebrew, <laughs> any of those things I do love to study, but I, mm -mm, I, I, you know, I'm not the one that just will start talking in Greek and Hebrew and things of that sort. Um, would love to learn how to pronunciate, uh, all that good stuff. I would love to one day. Um, but until that time, I still do study. And one of the things that, and I'm two people I'm going to pull from is actually from the old Testament. And so what I looked up when it came to the old Testament, as far as the word hope, um, it, it has this, um, overlapping motif with trust a lot of the time within the old Testament. So it overlaps with trust. And so, um, literally we have where in old Testament, we have where it means, uh, waiting for hoping for, um, just in the various contexts, it can even be, um, in the same context as waiting. So hope, waiting for, hoping for there, they kind of all sum together. So putting one's hope in God is definitely a common theme as we see throughout Psalms. Um, we just, we see that throughout a lot 
you know, of course we know that majority of some of those songs, they were written by David. And we know that David went through some things a lot, um, you know, and so he had to demonstrate or he had to testify or he had to um, share how he was finding his hope, even in his dark times and his dark moments. And so I wanted to, um, ironically, <laughs> share, I wanted to pull just one of David's stories. David got a lot. Listen. <laughs> David got a lot, but so did Paul and, and a lot of others, but David got a lot. Okay. And so I wanted to go to second Samuel though, because second Samuel kind of, um, starts, you know, where he's, you know, where he is King now he ain't running. He's, you know, he's not running for Saul and all that other stuff. He's, you know, not running for his life and everything else, which we all know that was, you know, like, that's why I say he went through a lot. Um, you know, it's not about him, you know, fighting Goliath and everything. We, we, you know, we've all gone through those particular stories. And if you haven't read your Bible, it's there. Um, but I'm going to go with second Samuel chapter 12, because here now we're at the point of, um, you know, David, ah, has done some stuff. He's done some stuff. He's done some wrong. He's committed um, a great sin. And so now, be it that we're in chapter 12, Bathsheba's now pregnant. And uh, if you don't know the whole story, read 2 Samuel, read 1 Samuel, but read 2 Samuel, and you'll get led up to this point. And I wanted to highlight this one because I wanted to ensure that we we look at the faith, even the perseverance, the resilience, even in this. Um, I know some may think, where was it? But I just want to kind of start. I'm going to start at verse 16. And I'm going to be reading um, New Living Translation. So I'm going to start at verse 16. This is 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. David begged God to spare the child. Now, this is the child that was um, the firstborn between him and Bathsheba. He's, you know, he commits adultery with Bathsheba. And of course she becomes pregnant. So David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with him. We eat with them, but he refused. 18, then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? 19, when David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. 20, then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. 21, his advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I fasted 
and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But, this is verse 23, but why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. I believe because I've been through a child dying. I've been through it. Some of you may be able to share the same testimony of their child passing away. I don't care if the child passes away when they're an infant as far as miscarriage or stillbirth to being in their 20s or 30s. If you, from a parent standpoint, feel as though it really should be you, you know, in, in the cycle of life, it should be more about the parent passing away and then the child. Um, that's the cycle of life for most people. But if that doesn't happen, we know how that can be very, very heavy. That can pull us into some dark times. That'll pull us into a dark place. And so I just believe that David here, as he would lie on the floor, on the ground, as he did begging God, he lie all night on the bare ground. That was his dark time. What's interesting for me, and I'm probably going to loop a lot of this all together with my own personal uh, testimony as well. What is, what's interesting is, is that he literally prays to God. That's number one. He prays to God, pleads with him, please fast, ask God, please spare, spare this child. But then on the seventh day, so we got to realize it's seven days. He's fasting, praying seven days. The child dies on the seventh day. So he's been in this dark time for seven days. How many of us can testify you've been in a dark place? It could be seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven years. But somehow or another, like David, we try to muster up enough strength to pray. We try to muster up enough strength to ask God, help us. I know I've been there. I've been there. I didn't want to pray for too much of anything else. I didn't even know what words to even utter besides God help me. And sometimes when we're, in, when we're standing or when we're lying or when we're curled up in a fetal position in a dark time, we don't know what else to say, but God help me. Or God save my child, heal my husband, touch my mother, touch my grandmother, touch my grandfather, 
We don't really know the words to really utter, but all we do know is that we can talk to God, even in the dark. It's funny how in literal terms, when we're in the dark, we can't see. I know I can't for the most part. My eyes got to take time to adjust. <laughs> takes a few, <laughs> takes a few moments to adjust, right? And if I don't give the time to let my eyes adjust, I'm going to end up hurting myself. I'm going to end up bumping into something, stumping my toe, running into a wall. If I don't give myself if I don't give myself time to adjust. I believe David, when the seventh day happened and he, you know, got confirmation, the child passed away. He got up, he washed himself. He went on ahead, went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. Been there, been there, even in the midst of, 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 of the grief, been there. And he returns, goes back to eating and everything else. This doesn't necessarily mean, though, that David's fully out of his dark time. And I think the advisors, being as amazed as they were, and then David's reply, which I loved, because when he finally said, I will go to see him. He'll go to him one day. And sometimes when we have dark times, maybe it isn't the loss of a person or a loved one, but maybe you lost a 10 year career, 20 year career due to whatever the reason. I mean, this was a place you really devoted your time to or your own business. The one that you literally started from the ground up. Like you launched it. You was the owner. And you lost it. For whatever reason. That's a dark time too. Yet... David still said one day, that's that hope. That's still that hope. That's that trust in God because he prayed even in the beginning. He fasted and prayed. He even went to the tabernacle and worshiped. How many of us can honestly say that in our dark times, we feel like worshiping? He still trusted God. He still knew where his help was coming from. So he pressed through. I feel that it took everything within him to get up, to wash up, to get on some clothes, to go to the tabernacle and worship. He pressed. He still persevered. Sometimes I look at perseverance as a pressing. He persevered. He pressed his way to the tabernacle. How many of us have pressed our way 
through the darkness to get to our place of worship, to our house of worship, our church home. Maybe it wasn't your church home, but it was a friend that invited you to their church. But you pressed your way and you worshiped. And you took some time to say, you know what, God? I mean, I'm feeling the grief. I'm feeling the darkness. But somewhere while I'm adjusting, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to tell you how worthy you are. I'm still going to take the time to tell you how grateful I am for all that you're doing in my life. And that yet one day, something will be restored. Maybe you'll get the business restored again, or maybe God will have you launch something else. Whatever the case may be. One other example, and this is just a dark mind. I, I really want to, this is a dark time for this person, Job. And I'm on rereading the message version of this. But I pulled this because this is a verse I pulled because this is like Job. He just, just like, just <laughs> got inflicted with, um, you know, everything got taken away from him. You know, kids, all, all everything, the livestock, everything, every, everything got taken away from him, right? So now we're at the point. He's now, you know, not only, because at first it was just his kids, his, you know, his whole, I guess you want to call it his, 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 his business. Let's say it like that, his business, the, you know, the, the, the animals and everything else, everything was taken, but that wasn't enough. Satan wanted to go ahead and inflict him which we all know that God said, don't take his life. So now he got all these boils and everything else over all of his body. So now he's really going through, right? Now he's really going through. The then enemy has hit him on every side, every side possible. And so in Job, we have, we have in chapter three, verses 11 through 19. Why didn't I die at birth? My first breath out of the womb, my last. Why were there arms to rock me and breasts for me to drink from? I could be resting in peace right now, asleep forever, feeling no pain. In the company of kings and statements in their royal ruins or with princes resplendent in their gold and silver tombs. Why wasn't I still born? and buried with all the babies who never saw light. Where the wicked no longer trouble anyone and bone weary people get a long deserved rest. Prisoners sleep undisturbed, never again to wake up to the bark of the guards. The small and the great are equals in that place and slaves are free from their masters. Many who study Job will say that 
he didn't uh he didn't curse God directly. Job doesn't curse God directly. He he curses the day he was born. He curses in that retrospect. He just complains about the circumstance. He just he really like any human just reflects on the fact that man, I'm going through. I'm going through. There's, you know, I'm going through. But I'm going to hop over to chapter 13 and verse 15, where Job ends up saying, God might kill me, but I have no other hope. I am going to argue my case with him. This is New Living Translation version. I have no other hope. I have no other hope. Job in the beginning has this point where he's like, I wish I was never born. Why did I just die at birth? Why wasn't I still born? I could be at peace right now. Wouldn't even have to be dealing with this stuff. How many of us has thought that? I know some of us might be like, oh, that's dark to be thinking that. But uh, let's be honest. How many of us have gone through some really, really tough circumstances, some really tough diagnosis, some really tough problems and sickness and and issues and things that we had no absolute clue on how to fix we went to doctors we went to lawyers we went to every higher up person that we knew how that could possibly give us some answers but yet they still couldn't give a solution or an answer so how many of us have thought to ourselves. I'm not talking about suicidal. If you suicidal, you need to call the special suicide hotline. Period. No joke. That's just a plug in. Not suicidal. Not thinking to end your life. But you're having, <laughs> um, you're having one of those, it's a wonderful life, the movie moments where you wish you just had never been born. You having one of them moments. How many of us can really testify? I remember when I was 14 and I had started, um, started high school and everything else, but no, 14, I'm sorry. I was 14, got diagnosed with cancer. I was in and out of the hospital with my chemo and everything else. But then I started high school uh, like 15 or what. I, I started it while on chemo. There you go. And so I was homeschooled. But I remember after that, uh, like second semester, like mid second semester or so, I was uh, allowed to go back to school. I was able to go back and you know go to a real classroom again. And so I had to get past the, uh, I had to stop chemo and they had to make sure my immune system was okay and fair for me to even do all that. So, but anyway, so I finally went back. But I remember not having no hair. And yes, a lot, a lot of my friends from middle school was, we all went to the same high school luckily. And they were also supportive. It was when I tell you, once I got back um, from the teachers to, to, I mean, everybody was just so, so, so supportive. Um, I remember them. They, they, everybody signed like this big old welcome back card and people were just so nice. They just kind of made sure I got around. Okay. And, and it just all kinds of, it was great. It really was. Oh, but then 
thing, you know, everybody started getting back into their routine. You know, everybody had to start getting back into routine, just living life, you know, living life as a, you know, as a high schooler. And so, um, I literally, uh, remember moments because not everybody knew my story and you know how unfortunate, um, kids can, you know, how, unfortunately how brutal and, and unkind and just not thinking, you know, not having common sense. Um, kids can, can be in that, especially in high school years. Um, not everybody knew my story. So everybody wanted to make their assumptions and throw out those assumptions and tease and try to say, you know, I'm bald because it was by choice. And that's not the, no, it wasn't by choice. I had very long and thick hair coming up. Very long, very beautiful. Um, but yet I lost it. It was starting to grow back. And so, you know, people were like, you know, I was bald for, I was doing it because that's what I want. No, that wasn't the case. And I remember though, I remember praying because I had gotten saved while I was in the hospital. And I remember, like saved for real, for real. Um, I remember telling God, God, I had cancer and I know cancer is one of those things that can go into remission and then you can get it back. Go ahead and bring that back. Cause I just want to go back in the hospital. I literally thought it was better off for me to go back into the hospital because of how I was being treated. And I didn't really share that with a lot of people. I didn't, I didn't share that with people, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Sometimes we get into situations that are so heavy and we'll start to think the latter or the, or certain conditions was much better, right? Like, it's almost like we get back into the light, but we think the dark was better because of how the world treats you. That happens in other spiritual contexts, if you will. But even Job, despite his feeling in the beginning, Chapter three, we have him saying, I wish I just had not just died at birth. While in 13, after talking with some friends, but nah, yeah, I guess you can kind of call them friends. You know, we don't, I'll call them friends. Friends ain't all, always got to make good sense and they don't always got to treat you right, but they're still some kind of friend, if you will. They know him. They knew him. <laughs> after talking with some friends, starting to talk with some friends, he still says, I have no other hope. I have no other hope. What else do I have? But God, that's all I got left. I ain't got my kids. I ain't got my livestock. I was the richest man there was in my own town or village or whatever you want to call it. I was the richest. I was the wealthiest. I was looked up to. I was sought after for counsel and wisdom and now here I am 
inflicted. Yet, there's no other hope that I have but God. There's no other hope that I have but God. And that's the point that we have to get to. That's why it's important to really read the word of God. I'm not saying don't hear testimonies. You've heard mine. I've given a couple. I've witnessed personal testimonies too where people have overcome some amazing, amazing journeys in their lives. When I tell you I have witnessed, whew, even within my own household, my husband, to my father, to family, church family, not just, you know, blood family, but church family, friends. I have a best friend even that I've watched her go through some dark time to due to a sickness and now she's, she's better because she persevered. She left her hope. She found her hope in God. Romans 15, 13 says, and New Living Translation says, I pray, and this is for you listeners, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you must do, to make that adjustment in the dark times. Like I gave the illustration about, you know, how you're in the dark, you can't really see, you gotta adjust your eyes. Whatever you must do take the time, but ensure that you're still gonna point and look for the hope. And look for the hope. And Ensure that when you look for that hope, that number one, you connect with those that's going to help you ensure that you point to God for that hope. Like, like we just said, the source of the hope is God. And I'm not saying you won't need some counseling. I've been through counseling myself. I made sure the person was a Christian. It was a Christian counselor. I've been through counseling myself uh, and all of those different things. It's not to say that you won't need the counseling, you won't need the support group, or you won't need the community. Um, but ensure that all of that, points you right to God. I know in a dark time when it's heavy, not a lot of people want to be, and I, and this isn't, this isn't about being super spiritual. I want people to really understand and really grasp that just because you read your Bible, don't make you super spiritual. 
just because you talk in tongues don't make you super spiritual. Like you pray in tongues or you talk in tongues, you laying hands on yourself. You got the oil out, you laying hands around the house, all this other stuff. I listen, I know people are going to have their opinion thinking that that's being really super spiritual, but no, that's helping you get out of the dark. That's helping you get out of the dark. That's helping you find your way through the dark. That's not being super spiritual. That's helping you find your way out the dark. Now, if you want to stay in the dark, be my guest. But to find your way through the dark, you have, you have to get to God. So that takes reading more of his word. That takes some time in prayer. If you don't know what to pray, sing a song. Hum. If you have a prayer language, speak in tongues. So many times we, we don't know what to say. I've been there. And I read my Bible. I know a lot of people are like, but if you read your Bible, you have something to say. Yeah, you're right. But, uh, yeah, that's, um, mm -mm. sometimes you still don't know what to say, especially when it just happened. So yeah, there's been many times where I'm just like, God help me. And that's, that's all I got to say. And guess what? That's okay, because if you look through, uh, especially through song, <laughs> you'll find God help me. I remember when I found that and I was reading, I said, oh, I was doing scripture. <laughs> I was reading scripture. Um, but seriously, God help me. Because sometimes that's all you can utter. That's all the, that's all the strength you got mentally, spiritually, physically. That's all the, that's all the strength you got. That's all the strength you got to say is God help me, but that can be the most, that can be the most powerful prayer that can unleash, that can unleash an army of angels in such a mighty way because God sees his child fearful, full of doubt, sadness, anguish, is being crushed. He sees you. That's like any parent. And if you've ever experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. Well, your baby, your child says, mama, help me. Daddy, help me. It might not seem like a grand request because maybe they're just asking you to help them put on their shoes, asking you to help them make a sandwich 
asking you to help them get cleaned up or asking you to help them with some homework or filling out a scholarship application or help with learning how to drive a car. But when they utter those words, you can't help but to say, okay, I'm coming. You say, okay, I'm here. You say, okay, I got you. Imagine God saying the exact same thing when you say, God, help me. He's saying, yes, I'm coming. I got you. I got you covered. I'm getting ready to fight this battle. Don't you even worry about it. Don't you even worry about it. I'm getting everything that's attacking you is about to be conquered right now in the name of Jesus. Everything that's trying to come up against you. The darkness is about to break. It's about to break. I believe David's darkness broke. Or began to break. when he worshiped in the tabernacle. I believe it began to break at that point. Little by little, it just started to, the darkness and and all of that just started to fade. It just bit by bit, it started to fade away. For him to have the words to utter that he's going to go and see him one day. Yeah, it began to break when he went to worship. Little by little. I didn't say it happened overnight. I don't believe that. Because even me, it don't happen overnight. Sometimes the darkness doesn't begin to just begin to transition into light overnight. For some people, it can. For some people, depending upon the situation, it can. But if you just spent seven days fasting and praying, and yet what you were fasting and praying for didn't actually come out the way that you intended, or at least what you were pleading for, yet you still had the heart and the hope and the trust in God to say, I yet worship you? I yet praise you? Mm. That takes another level of faith, hope, love, all that. It takes another level. And for some, it does not get to that level overnight. It takes, it takes some time. But each time you say, God, help. Each time you say, God, you're worthy. Each time you say, God, I worship you. Each time you say, God, I honor you. God, I love you. God, you're magnificent. God, you're great. 
little by little, the darkness begins to transition. These characters, and like I said, there's way more in the Bible. They chose hope. They chose to trust. Like we just mentioned with Job, right? Job, Job. I have no other hope. God might kill me, but I have no other hope. He chose it. And I think this is the thing that, that we also have to make sure that we take away from this is we have a choice. We can choose to trust God. We can choose to trust and have our hope in him. We surely can't have our trust in man. We can't have our trust in our own selves. We have to trust God. When we choose to have hope, it honestly has a better and transformative impact on our mental and emotional well-being. Both, if not all, when you read different stories in the Bible, but both Job and David, if you want to think of some practical strategies, right? When you're in the dark, if you're in the dark, even right now, and you're listening to this. Prayer is key. And I know a lot of people are like, why does everybody keep telling me to pray? Why does everybody keep telling me to read my Bible and pray and worship? And go to church or join a life group with my church. I get counseling. Why? Why? Why we keep telling you this? Because these strategies really work. These strategies really work. They, they're going to help you cultivate that hope in your life because unfortunately dark times, plural, plural, dark times. You're not going to just face one situation just one time in your life. It's not going to happen just once. If you are living Period, past the point of the point, the day that you was born <laughs> and you caught into the good old 20s, you know, 20s, 30s. Well, heck, I'll start back. Being a, an infant, a toddler, a preteen, teen, young adult, all the way through your adulthood. To your midlife or whatever you want to call it and beyond. Guess what? On this side, while we're living on this side, dark times, plural, will happen. And it's going to happen to everybody. Everybody. Nobody is, is exempt from dark times. Nobody. I don't care how much money you got, how many properties you own, how many businesses you own, how much um, philanthropy you're in, how much, um, how many, uh, health drinks you drink, how many um, uh, health, healthy food you decide to eat on, 
and your body and everything, I mean, everything checks out top notch from cholesterol, body mass, all that. Listen, listen, dark times are going to happen no matter who you are. Storms, obstacles, all of it, tribulation, whatever you want to call it, it's going to happen for everybody. But we have to make the choice. Every individual that goes through, which is everybody on this planet, goes through. They're going to choose. They got to choose. They got to choose. They're going to have to choose hope. But make sure the hope that they do choose is God. Is God. The Bible is still considered the number one book ever sold. It's still considered one of the most transformative books ever written. Well, that's because it's written from the inspiration of God through his own words. And we have to make sure that when we pray, and we worship, showing, showing the gratitude to, to God and to others. When we seek out that support, make sure it's the right support. Don't, don't, don't get the wrong support. And let the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Spirit, same thing. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, whichever title you want to give it, just make sure it's the Spirit of God. Leads and guides you to that support. So that way you can begin to cultivate that hope because the next time dark times come, you got to have that hope. Just You got to have them roots of hope and that, that, that hope tree or that hope plant, whatever you want to illustrate it as, got to have some stronger roots. It got to have some strong roots. So you got to cultivate it. And the only way you're going to cultivate it is if you have the right support, you reading, you praying. And I'm not saying you pray just during the dark times and then once you get to the light, you stop praying. No, you keep praying. You keep reading. You keep worshiping. You keep telling God, help me. Yeah, I know everything's going good. Oak. I know everything's going well right now. I know everything is going great. Bills is paid. And there's no storm right now. I'm good. Money saved up. I, nobody's sick. Nobody I know of sick. Immediate to me. <laughs> Everything's going good. No, no. You keep praying. Help me. Because you got to cultivate that hope. You got to cultivate it. It's like the spiritual fruits. The only way they're ever going to ripen or be ready for harvesting by those that you need to share your spiritual fruits with and those things that are going to help you through life with those that per those spiritual fruits you have to cultivate them you have to nourish them like any other fruit or plant that you can think of you have to cultivate it you have to take care of it you have to nurture it and that takes the very things that David and Job did. They prayed. They worshiped. They sought God. Some of their support wasn't the greatest. But I would say, you know, David's advisors were pretty. They just didn't want to hurt his feelings. That's all. 
that so from their support standpoint, you know, I think they did pretty I think they did better than Job's friends. Let me say that. <laughs> they did a little better than Job's friends. I will say that. So you just have to find that right support as well. So another scripture, Psalm 42:11 says in New Living Translation, "Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad?" I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. So to every listener, take action, pray, read the story of Job, read second Samuel. You can read the first Samuel if you like as well. First and second Samuel. Just read. I really would say, yeah. 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 I really like David's stories as, as he began to really um, fight as far as uh, defeating and battling um, because he really seeks God. And I think that is so amazing. Every challenge that he's ever faced. And no matter the end result, he always asked God, what should he do? What he should, what should he do? And I think that is something that is a awesome lesson and exercise that we should take. I truly believe that if we take the time to really understand God and do what we do. And no matter what God says and we, and it didn't matter what he said, we still going to worship him and we're still going to honor him. I think for us, that will be the transformative part with our, with our, with our love and our, and our, and our, and our relationship and our commitment to God. Because God oftentimes won't, won't necessarily do exactly what we fasted and prayed for. But that doesn't mean we still shouldn't fast and pray ever again. Because God is not a genie in a bottle. That's not the purpose of fasting and praying. I truly believe also this just came to me as well. David did that fasting and praying. Yeah, he pleaded with God, but I also believe that that gave him the enough strength, the hope. He was still cultivating the hope and trust in God regardless. That's something that we can apply to our own lives. I strongly suggest finding biblical meditations. I love, love, love the Abide app. Abide. A-B-I-D-E. Abide app. I absolutely love that app. They have everything from two minute to like, I think I want to say you can time it out to be three hours. I think, (laughs) I think two minutes to three hours of meditation and reflection on God's word. Who don't got at least two minutes. You might not have three hours. I get that. But if you got two minutes, just two minutes. You, you can have two minutes. That's a drive. That's a ride in your car or standing on a bus stop or waiting on an Uber. Two minutes. 
You got two minutes. Just to have a moment of meditation on his word. That can be a great, great application that you can do as well. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but for, for, for those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Finding hope in dark times. I honestly encourage you all to find that hope. Find God. Let give your time. Give time for that for the eyes to adjust. Because <laughs> when it hits, take that time. That's number one. That's like ultimate first step. Above all else. When it hits, don't ignore what happened. Don't try to act like it didn't happen because that's the worst thing you can do. God never told us to ignore the storm because we're not supposed to be ignorant to Satan's devices. Don't ignore the storm. Don't ignore the attack. Don't ignore it. Recognize it. Then go to him. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Recognize it, but recognize, okay, now I need to seek him. Okay, I got the diagnosis. Now I need to seek him. Okay, I lost my job. Now I need to seek him. Even if it's no more than to say, God, please help. So I encourage you to read your word. Find that amazing support group. Even if it's online, there's a lot of, there's a good, some pretty good resources online. Um, gotta love Google. <laughs> you can Google all of that. Um, but you really can. And I, and like I said, please, 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 please make sure that they're pointing you back to God. They're pointing you to God, no matter what. Of course, this episode is going to be, um, on all the uh, platforms, if you will, I guess, um, from the iTunes to Spotify. So please, and also you can uh, find Reviving, um, Reviving the Spirit on uh, Facebook as well. So uh, I would love to interact and have a chat and would love your comments on this particular episode. I'll be posting it there as well. So please, I invite any questions, um, any suggestions for future podcasts, uh, Topics two, okay? And so um, leaving you with uh, one final particular scripture coming out of Psalm 3124. So be strong and courageous, all of you who put your hope in the Lord. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your time and for tuning in and listening. Lord, um, I just, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm grateful and I just pray that it was encouraging for you. Stay tuned for the next episode, which uh, I'm going to be talking on the healing power of forgiveness, discussing the transformative impact of forgiveness on wounded spirits and how it can lead to spiritual healing. And like I said, once again, I am on Facebook. Um, I'm Latanya Price, but also you can find this particular podcast on 
Facebook as far as having a Facebook page. We're going to close out in prayer. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to encourage. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, just hopefully empower. Um, and I pray that I did my best to ensure that people gets pointed to you. I can't be their hope. Their mama can't be their hope. Their grandmama can't be their hope. Their daddy, their grand, their granddaddy, their aunt, their uncle can't be their hope. But it's you. That is the hope. You're the hope. And God, I pray, I pray, God, that they turn to you. God, maybe somebody is listening, and they're not even saved. They haven't even confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that you will just gently knock at their heart and see if they'll let you in. And I pray that they'll be willing to let you in. I pray that they'll just have the courage and just the simple words to say, yes, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe he did die for my sins. And I just want to learn more about him. I just want to have that strong connection to God, my Father, my Abba Father. So God, I pray that those individuals that might be listening like that, that they turn to you. Thank God for those that are going through dark times. Lord, please, please, please help them. Help them. Because I don't know the situation. I don't know every situation. But I pray, God, help them and God let that simple prayer begin to move and shift restore revive disconnect connect whatever needs to be done God I pray that you do it and I know you will. And I trust and I believe that you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Until next time, have a blessed, blessed rest of your week. Bye.